welcome back to Lend Me Your Ears. Well, <laughs> Thanksgiving is over, and that only means one thing to me, really, that uh, Christmas is coming. <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but Christmas is my absolute favorite time of the year. I know it falls in the middle of our busiest time and everything's crazy, but I just love it. So my mind already is on sugar plums and gingerbread houses, and uh, all day today we were getting ready for our company Christmas party, which is like the 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 pinnacle of our year. You know, you fight all year, you you just kill it, and then Christmas comes and it's time to party. So that's where my mind is right now. But for right now, uh, it's on our phones. Uh, we're continuing on this uh, this series about our processes at Caesar Chimney, and uh, the phones is something that I've talked a lot about. Um, I have two entire episodes already for this uh, episodes twelve and thirteen talking about the importance of the phones. And uh, if you haven't listened to those, I'll give you a quick recap. To me, the most important part of any company, I don't care what company you're in or how big your company is, is how you answer the phone. I mean, you can throw all the money in the world at marketing and advertising and training and hiring and new vans, and you can do all, all of that right. But if you spend all that money to make the customer call you and then they call you and they get a voicemail <laughs> or you answer while trying to work. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just think about that. Like you spend all this money to get the customer to call and you spend all this money to get people to do the work and train them to do the work. And then we miss that middle part, the missing link I talk about. Uh, and it is, I, I taught a class last year and I asked uh, everybody to raise their hand if they were still answering their own phones. And I was waiting for, you know, maybe five or six people, three quarters of the class raised their hand. I was just blown away. I'm like, Really? And it's, I, I try not to be obtuse about it, but I know how bad of an idea that is. <laughs> not from my company, the first company I worked for. My entry into the chimney sweeping world, I worked for a guy that answered his own phones. But what does that mean? Really? What does that mean to answer your own phones, right? It, that, that's not a thing. Nobody answers their own phones while working. So one of two things has to happen if you're answering your own phone. Either you're letting it go to voicemail. And then you're trying to call them back later, either when you're the next time you're free after an appointment while you're driving or when you get back home at the end of the night after you've worked eight, 10 hours all day. And now you've got to sit and return phone calls and emails all night. I watched that happen to the guy that I worked for. We would kill ourselves all day long, get home at the end of the day, clean out the van, get ready for the next day. I'd get ready to go home and he's going inside to go return phone calls at seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. I'm like, how long does that take? He goes, oh, you know, sometimes nine. I'm like, what? Like he had a teenage daughter and he he was complaining one day that he never got to see her. He goes, I don't even know her. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I work all day. I go home and I return phone calls till nine o'clock at night. She's in bed. I wake up, I go to work and we don't see each other. I'm like, that is a terrible way to be. But that's the only option. If you don't have somebody answering your phones, how are you going to get appointments, Right. And it just, it blows my mind that people do that on purpose and they think that's the only way, or they think they can't afford the other way to hire somebody. I'm living proof that it's possible because I watched that happen for years, just struggling to, to do that, to balance that. And then finally we hired an office person. I, we talked him into it really. Like we need somebody to answer the phones. Overnight, the company changed. It was just night and day between, um, in my other episodes, I'll go into a lot more numbers. I don't want to stretch this one out uh, to reiterate, but I mean, we were getting maybe 40, 50 phone calls a day. And then by the time he would get back to answer or to return the calls at night, maybe let's say a half of them 
answered if that that was high but let's say 20 of them answer the phone and now you've got to you know give a sales pitch really and try to talk to them and now it's after dinner it's late and you sound like a telemarketer trying to set an appointment so maybe half of those books and now you got 10 10 out of 50 if you're answering your own phones and waiting i think it's even worse if you try to answer it while working i mean i, I can't imagine calling a professional service for anything in my house and the guy that answers is all breathy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, yeah I can, I can fit you in next Tuesday. Yeah, sure. Uh, um, just hang, hang on one second. And he starts using a drill or, or driving or like, <laughs> that's not customer service. That's not professional. It's terrible. So if you are one of the people that is out there listening right now and you're answering your own phones, this episode is for you. The other side of that is you have hired somebody, you have somebody working for you, but they're, they're glorified appointment setters. And that's what I see a lot is the the office is just a means to an end, set the appointment and, you know, put them in the calendar and we'll figure it out when we get there. I don't like that either. <laughs> it's the, the, when I call it the missing link, it's because the office to me in this industry uh, specifically seems to be so overlooked and so undertrained over and over again. When I talk to companies or see companies, the office is kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever. Yeah. We got this certification and we got these great new tools and Hey, look at this, uh, ad we got, you know, there's all these other things they're all proud of, but then you call their, their company and you get a voicemail. I'm like, okay, sure. Right. And I, I tell a story a lot about when, uh, I needed a driveway paved. I had paid a contractor. He was doing a bunch of work in my house and, uh, gave him, money and then he never showed back up again one of those stories so he left me high and dry with a dirt driveway and i needed it uh, paved so i start calling people went into google like most people do and i typed in driveway pavers and it just gave me a list so i clicked the very first one i didn't look for certifications i didn't look for reviews i'm like let's let's get this done let's get some prices let's let's move called the first one got a voicemail so what do you think I did? You think I left a hi this is John Caesar I I would like a driveway Can, you know please call me back and then hang up and then go about my business. Absolutely not. Hey, uh, need a driveway. Here's my number. Call me by click. And I called the next one. Amazingly, same thing. The first two people that came up on Google, I got voicemails for the first two. Left another message, called the third one. Guy answers the phone. I'm like, hi. He goes, hey, you know, what's going on? What's your story? I told him. He goes, yeah, we can come out uh, tomorrow. I'll send somebody by. At, you know, fantastic. Guy comes out, gives me a price. And at this point, I'm like, let's just do it. It was a great price. The guy was professional. Uh, he booked me the next week to get it done. They came out. They paved it. The funny thing is the two people that I left voicemails for, one of them called me back that night, like I figured he would. Hey, you know, sorry, busy day. You know how it is. Uh, can I help you? I'm like, no, <laughs> you can't. Uh, I already got somebody else. Thanks. Bye. He's like, oh, oh, okay. He was kind of shocked, right? Like I, like he, he anticipated that I was going to leave this message and wait breathlessly by the phone for him to call back. I, nope. Sorry, got somebody else. The second guy didn't call me back until the driveway had already been paid. We're a week out at that point. We're a week later from the phone call, and he calls me back. Hey, I didn't. I just answered the phone. I didn't know who it would be, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I got your message. You know, you need your driveway paved." I'm like, "Dude, it's been done." Oh, that's too bad. All right, well, okay, thanks anyway. Bye. I'm like, what? So, the whole voicemail thing. And especially in this day and age, if you're letting your customers go to voicemail, they're not waiting for you. I don't care how good you are, how great your reviews are, how 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 just reputable or friendly or all that stuff you are. They're not, especially in this industry where we're up against it. We're up against cold. We're up against, you know, we need to use our stove or we had an issue or a fire or the boiler's back puffing or CO leaking, whatever it is. 
they're not going to call and wait months just for you. They might. They might set the appointment. It happens with us all the time. They'll set the appointment and call back. Yeah, I found somebody sooner. Okay, bye. All right. And it goes the other way too. So they're going to keep calling. So that's the number one thing. Answer your phone. <laughs> Have somebody answer your phone. When I started my company, um, I started in January. I didn't have any prior customer base. I didn't have any estimates to build off of. I didn't have any forward scheduling. I had nothing. I was starting my business at a time when every chimney had already been cleaned. And I was like, okay, I hope the phone rings. And it didn't. <laughs> my first three months, uh, actually, it was a massive uh, snowy winter that winter. And I uh, ended up raking roofs for the first three months of my uh, chimney career. Swept a couple chimneys here and there. But I made more money raking roofs than I did uh, sweeping chimneys. So once the call started coming in, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do now? The phone's ringing and I don't want to be that guy that's out on a roof and can't answer and I have to call him back. We're playing phone tag. So I called Jill. Jill happened to be the office manager that we hired at the previous company and she's fantastic. And like I said, as soon as she came on, the whole company changed, everything got better. Appointments started getting set. We had more information. It was great. And then she had to leave us uh, and her reason was daycare. Uh, she had a, a small son and daycare was so expensive that she was making almost enough at working for him to pay for the daycare. It wasn't really feasible. So unfortunately, she had to make a decision. When I started my company, I'm like, okay, I don't have an office. I'm in my house. I'm not going to, how am I, she was working in an office for uh, the other company. I'm like, how am I going to do this? I started looking into what I had, right? Use what you have. And I had QuickBooks Online. I had Google Calendar. Okay, these are both in the cloud. Let's work with this. Things like uh, not Zoom now, it was Skype back then. So you'd have, you know, we had all these little uh, tools to use online where we could talk to each other, we could communicate to each other through the computer. The only thing I needed was a phone. So I looked into, I think it was phones.com that I used in the beginning. Uh, called them up and I was like, I need this phone to ring in two different places. Can you do that? They go, absolutely, we can do that. And all it was is I bought this little device. They mailed it to her house. She just plugged it in the middle of her phone line and ta-da, every time you'd call my number, it would ring my office in my basement and would ring her house at the same time. And we're in business. There it is. We had an office. The The beautiful thing was she got to do the job that she loved while not having to worry about paying for daycare. And the phone didn't ring enough where it really impeded her a lot from being with her son during the day. So it was, it was perfect. But it's even better now. I mean, we've gotten into, especially with COVID and everything else that's been happening, remote work is is a, is the big hot button topic. Everybody's working remote. You don't really need an office now, especially now, to have somebody answer your phones. Same thing. You still have QuickBooks and Google Calendar, Slack and Zoom. And there's so many different ways to communicate from different places that it's really not hard to put somebody in their own house with a laptop and a phone and they're in business, your phones can be answered. So uh, don't think you need some fancy office or a big company for it. Jill was my first hire. I was maybe four or five months into owning a company. The phone was just starting to pick up ringing. I didn't even have a technician working for me at the time. And I hired her because I saw how bad it was for someone else to get in too deep before they realized it. And I wasn't going to have that happen. So she was the very first person I hired before I ever even hired somebody to foot my ladder or, or help me out in the field. That's how important the office is to me. I would hire them before you hired anybody else. And then when it comes to money, that's the number one complaint that I get is, oh, I can't afford an office person. You absolutely can't. The problem is you think you can't afford to pay an office person based on what you're making right now. And you're absolutely right. 
Because let's go back to the beginning. If you're getting 50 calls a day, let's say you're even getting 20 calls, and I don't care what the number is, you're not going to get all of those appointments set because they're going to call somebody else. They're going to, it's not going to happen, right? So by hiring someone, they're immediately going to start setting more appointments than you did. Immediately, right out the gate, first day. <laughs> it's just numbers. So their pay is going to be immediately offset by the amount of calls you're going to start getting just by having somebody answer the phone live. So that's the if that's your your fear, I can't afford it. Bite the bullet, hire somebody, pay them, and it will make its. It, they will they will pay for themselves instantly. It's an investment, right? Now, I beat that horse to death. You guys have heard me say that before. Let's get into our actual process. So let me start by stressing one major thing. A CSR's job or customer service representative's job is not to set appointments. All right, I'm going to start right out the gate with saying that. That's not what it is. And that's people that are answering their own phones or using answering services or voicemails. All they're worried about is that appointment. Set the appointment, set the appointment, get them in the books. That's not their job. I was actually talking to somebody high up in the industry and we were talking about uh, training for the office. And they're like, how much training do you need to you know, set an appointment? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's... That's what people think. I'm going, this is insane. So that's not their job. I want to start with that. Their job to me is to educate the customer and then build value, right? Same as a technician. That's what they do in the field. Their job is not to sell. My guys don't sell. They're not uh, salespeople. Their job is to go out there, educate, serve the customer, build value. You have to explain things. You have to take your time with them. When you do that, the numbers come, the appointments come, the sales come, it just happens, but that's their job. You need somebody that can answer the phone, not just to grab that appointment before they get to somebody else. We'll get into later why that doesn't always happen. They need to educate the customer and build value, right? So the CSRs, the phones, is your first point of contact for your company. It's your first line of defense, right? Why spend all the money on advertising just to get them in and have the customer get a voicemail? or sit on hold forever, or have to listen to you drive and try to set an appointment while running a red light, right? So that, 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 no, that's poor customer service. We don't want that. But when you hire your first office person, or when you're going to hire more office people, maybe you have somebody working for you. There's a lot of people have like family members that are answering the phones as well. And they're kind of just doing it on the side, trying to help out. I mean, that works. Don't get me wrong. But when you get somebody that's invested full-time in this, regardless of who they are, don't just throw them immediately on the phones. Their job is not to set appointments. They need to know what the heck they're talking about before they can answer the phone. You need to educate them. You need to prepare them for what they're going to get. This is something that a lot of us in this industry forget, myself included. Try to remember what you knew on your first day in this industry, whether you're an owner, whether you're a tech, whether you're office listening to this. What did you know on your first day? Did you know what a smoke chamber was? You know what flu what a flu was? Do you know what refractory mortar was? Do you know the difference between a cap and a crown? Do you know the difference between a damper and a liner? <laughs> no. The answer is no. None of us did. That's what we got to remember here. So the, a lot of customers don't either. We joke about it a lot. Everybody in the forums, oh, my customer called it a fluke. <laughs> That's your job is <laughs> to educate them. Don't laugh at them. So the person answering the phone, right? That is your customer's experience on that initial phone call is going to set the tone for their experience with the rest of your company. How they're treated on that phone call, how they're talked to, what information they gather, that's going to set the tone for everything else that follows. I don't care if you have 13 certifications, you've been doing it for 50 years and you're the greatest thing since top hats. 
if they're not getting a good experience in that first call or don't get what they want or don't understand, you're not going to get that appointment. I don't know how hard that is to understand. (laughs) So when you get somebody to put on the phones, the first thing you do is you have to educate them. I realized this too late. I was very lucky with Jill because she came on to work for somebody else and she went through all of these mistakes I'm telling you about right now with him. So by the time she came to work for me, she already had experience. But I watched her struggle through trying to figure out what the heck a flute is on the phone. And it's terrible. As we started hiring other uh, office assistants for Jill, we started to see this problem rear its head again. We'd put somebody on the phones and they would be like, what is a, what's a, a, a fabricated, prefabric metal? What is, I don't, what's the difference? And they don't know. So we realized that we have to train them before they ever get on the phones. We put a slideshow together. Um, I used to use one of those little diagrams that everybody has on uh, those tricarbon copy tear off inspection forms that are terrible. I just used that in the beginning because it worked. It had most of the parts of a chimney on it. And then we graduated to some better ones I found online. And then eventually I had my own made. And now, regardless of what you use, show it to them. It can be on paper. It can be on a slideshow. It can be on a video. doesn't matter. But walk them through. This is a cap. This is a crown. This is a flu. This is more than one flu. This is a clay flu. This is a metal flu. These are bricks. This is flashing. This is shingles. This is, you can go all the way to, this is a smoke chamber. This is the damper. This is the hearth. This is the hearth extension. There's a difference. This, and you go all, you explain everything. This is what a stove looks like. This is what a boiler looks like. There's a difference between a boiler and a furnace. Explain to them the words they're going to be hearing on the other side of that line. I did it. Blows some people's minds. I know some of you are like, God, that's brilliant. It's common sense. They're going to be talking to these, the customers, maybe using wrong words. And we, we still talk about it all the time. Hey, my cap's broken. I need you to come fix my cap. So we show up ready to, you know, put some more stainless steel on and they're talking about their crown. Or, hey, my damper's broken. And then they're talking about their liner, right? They, so we get it all the time. The person on the phone that answers that has to be able to navigate that. They have to know what they're talking about because the customer might not. I'll say it again, this industry, we're dealing with things customers have never heard of in places they've never seen with problems they never knew existed. That's our job. (laughs) So from the very first time a customer calls you, they need to start getting educated, which means the person answering the phone needs to be educated. So I think I've beat that horse enough. As you can tell, I'm pretty passionate about this because I've, I've realized that the office is the key to my entire company, has been since the beginning. If I didn't have Jill answering the phone third, fourth month in, my company doesn't take off. If we haven't had people answering the phones all the way through, we don't get the uh, the appointments that we have to fill the vans that we, you know, it, it just doesn't work. So the missing link. Anyway, let's get back to actually the our actual process. Still haven't got there yet. I could talk about this for way too long. Answering the call, right? Uh, I talked about a story last week that I jumped on the phones because I, I didn't want to answer the phones ever because I watched how hard it was. So Jill did it from the very beginning. One time I had to jump on the phones. I think she was sick or she had an appointment or something. So I'm like, I got the phones. How hard can this be? The guy answers the phone or I answer the phone and the guy goes, yeah, how much for a chimney sweeping? And I'm like, 235. <laughs> yeah, done. Man, this is easy. And he goes, wow, $235. That is a lot of money for 15 minutes of work. Man, you got some balls on you. I'm like, excuse me. 15 minutes? Whoa. I said, no, we're going to be out there for at least an hour and a half. An hour and a half. What are you going to be doing in my house for an hour and a half? And now I'm behind the eight ball, right? Now I've put my foot right in my mouth and I've got to backpedal and try to build the value 
and I'm I'm trying to and oh certified and and we're gonna run a camera and we're gonna get on the roof and he's like yeah okay buddy yeah whatever bye and he hangs up I'm like this is harder than I thought <laughs> and it is somebody calls up and they have a question you, do you just answer it right out especially when it's pricing do you just give the price I know in our company you can't I talked about that some last week but pricing is easy what if they call up with an actual question. Hey, uh, this is hap- I got smoke coming in, or this part is broken, or I got this funny sound, or this is now they have now you have uh, diagnosing issues. Are you just gonna well? Uh, let me let me just get somebody that knows what they're talking about. No, let's make sure the office knows what they're talking about. Educate them. Most of my office girls now can answer those questions, and they start asking follow up questions. Well, when are you hearing it? How often is it? Ha- what was the temperature outside? Or when's the last time you had it swept? They will get to the bottom or at least get closer to the bottom than just, oh, let me get somebody for you, right? If if your thought is that the office is just there to set your appointments, that's usually what you get. They're going to give the price right off the bat and they're just going to transfer to somebody else when the questions get hard. Nope, that's not the kind of company I want to run. <laughs> My office is there to assist the customer, to answer their questions and to try to educate them. How else are you going to build value in this industry using words I've never heard in places I've never seen with problems they didn't know existed? You got to educate them. So the biggest thing for me about answering the phones, and this isn't 100% me, this is Jill. Jill is very good at this, is taking control of the call, right? Too often when we hire somebody new in the office, they'll get talked over, they'll get kind of um, worn down, overwhelmed, if you will, and it's just, it's a lot to to take a lot to deal with. So we teach them how to take control of the call. Let the customer talk for a while. Sometimes they're angry. Sometimes they have questions. Sometimes they're frustrated. A lot of times it's just, Hey, can I get a sweeping? Those are the easy ones, right? Those are the softballs. Let's hit those out and move to the next one. I'm worried about the harder calls. Somebody calls up and something's not right. Or they, the last guy screwed up or we screwed up or their appointment got moved, whatever. They have to let the customer speak. Start writing down notes as they're talking. Confirm it. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, okay, and just keep letting them talk. Get it all out. Take your notes. Now it's your turn. If this is the office listening, now it's your turn to take over the call. Now you're going to use what they said to start a conversation. Okay, so what you're telling me uh, is you're hearing this weird noise every time the boiler kicks on. Uh, you had a liner put in last year by another company. It hasn't been inspected since. So since it has been a year, we're going to have to get out there and do another inspection because it is recommended to do an inspection annually. Whatever. You take control of the call, right? Eventually, you're going to get to the point where you need some information from them. That's my favorite because that's the easiest way to take control of the call. And I didn't come up with this. I actually called somebody else. I can't remember what company it was. It was another service company. I wish I could remember what it was because I could actually tell the story better. But long story short, I called up and I'm like, hey, I need whatever done. And she goes, okay, I can absolutely help you out with that. And she starts asking me questions that had nothing to do with what I just said. I'm like, what? I think it was like, I don't know, electric, something like that. You know, what's the age of your home? Uh, I'm not really sure. Okay. How many stories is it? What's the square footage and how many panels do you have? And she starts boom, 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 boom. She took the control from the call away from me. I thought I was going to call up and be like, yeah, I need this and this and that. And I want it done by next week. That went out the window when she starts grilling me. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And when you start asking questions like that, all you can do is answer. And that's what happened. I was like, we need to use this. So now let's say you call up Caesar Chimney and you know, even if you ask the easiest question, softball question in the world, hey, what do you charge for a sweeping? That's not an an—that's not a question you can just answer right out. 
You call up Caesar Chimney. Hey, uh, what do you guys charge for a sweeping? Oh, well, in order for me to get that information, I'll have to get some, uh, I'll have to ask you some questions. So how many chimneys do you have on your house? See, right out the gate, you have taken that easy question, the one that everybody likes to ask on Facebook. Hey, what are you, what's everybody charging? You'll never see me answer that. Not because I'm hiding it. My numbers are actually on my website. I'm not hiding my numbers. I can't answer that question. That's not a thing. You ask me how much for a sweeping, the first thing I'm going to ask is how many chimneys you have. That sets most people back on their heels because they have tunnel vision. They think the only reason you should call a chimney sweep is because fire and because they haven't had it swept since last year. Both are wrong. (laughs) There's a lot more reasons to call your chimney sweep than fire. You got water. You got deterioration. You got mold. You got mildew. You got animals. You got debris. You got blockages. You have carbon monoxide. Many, many more reasons to call than I don't want to have a fire, which is where you get. I was at a trade show a couple of years ago and my guys were handing out flyers and information and over and over and over again, the people were walking by like, no, thanks. No, thanks. I don't have a chimney. I'm like, yeah, you do. I know New Hampshire. I work here. Every single house here has a chimney. They're not thinking chimney. They're thinking fireplace. I don't have a fireplace. I don't need you. They don't realize how much they do. Or the other one, well, let me back up on that. So they don't have a fireplace. They still have a boiler, wood stove, water heater. Almost every single house in New England that's more than 10 years old has a chimney and one of those appliances are venting out. None of those appliances create creosote and they're just as dangerous, if not more. They don't get checked. The flues start to deteriorate. The flues collapse. You get holes in the flues. Now the bricks are getting eaten from the inside out. It's a mess. But why don't you call the chimney sweep? Because I don't have a fireplace. Great. They're just walking on by. I'm not going to chase them down and have this conversation. Now I'm a lunatic. (laughs) The other one is, no, we haven't used it since, you know, 08. We haven't used our fireplace in five years or we never use it. Okay. The customer doesn't understand that a chimney that is not used will deteriorate faster than one that is. I'll say that again. A chimney that is not used will deteriorate faster than one that is. Then it, right. I know what I said. (laughs) Reason for that is if you're lighting up a fire in that fireplace or wood stove, it's heating up the chimney, it's drying it out. What's the number one cause of damage to a chimney? That's right, it's water, not fire. So even if you're not heating up that flue, even if you're not burning something, the chimney is still taking on water almost every day of the year. Snow, ice, rain, dew, all of it. It's getting wet, it's staying soaked, it's not drying out, and it deteriorates faster. That's when you get the calls. I used to put this in one of my ads. Customers don't call us until they see a brick in their yard, a leak in their house, or smoke in their living room. Then they call. And then you get questions like, why is it so expensive? When's the last time it was looked at? Oh, well, I haven't used it in 10 years, so I haven't needed to. So, you know, 10 years. I bring it back to something that everybody understands. Cars and teeth. I don't know why. That's just the analogies that I use. What would your car run like if it hadn't been inspected in 10 years? What would your car look like if the oil hadn't been changed every 3,000 miles? What would your teeth look like if you didn't go to the dentist in 10 years? Say that to a customer. I've said it right to their face because it's not, in, it's not uh, mean. It's honest, right? It's usual maintenance. It's regular maintenance. You get your boiler inspected every year. You get your car inspected every year. You get your oil changed every so many thousand miles. You get your teeth cleaned regularly. We do these things all the time because we know what happens if we don't. Customers don't know what happens if they don't call us. We, as chimney sweeps, have done a terrible job of marketing our industry because people don't call unless they're scared of fire. 
Meanwhile, carbon monoxide is seeping out the joints. The flue is collapsed. The bricks are terrible. There's no cap up there. There's a squirrel living in your fireplace that you haven't used in 10 years. But they didn't have a fire, so no need to call the chimney sweep. Anyway, I'm going off on a lot of tangents tonight. (laughs) That's the whole problem. So they need to call us. They just don't know it. So when somebody calls up and they say, how many, or uh, I'm sorry, if they call up and say, what do you charge for a sweeping? They're thinking tunnel vision. They're thinking, I need my fireplace swept. Good. We will. Sure. We'll get to that. The very first question you ask has nothing to do with that and everything to do with how many chimneys. Sometimes it's one. Majority of times they're like, uh, one. Okay, good. Thanks. Move on. Sometimes it's two. So up here in New Hampshire, sometimes it's four. I don't know what the answer is. We're going to put it in. We're going to build on that. How many chimneys do you have? One. Okay. Uh, so what appliances do you have venting into that chimney? Loaded question there. Remember, they're calling with tunnel vision. I need my fireplace swept. Great. How many appliances vent into that chimney? And then prompt them. We, re- we learn to do this. You can't just ask that because they'll kind of get confused. Customers are like, oh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you mean? I've learned something over the years of dealing with the office that the word chimney and the word fireplace to a customer is interchangeable. I don't know why and I can't figure it out. But when maybe it's Christmas. I don't know. But when they think chimney, all they think is fireplace. That's that's all there is to it. And you'll be surprised when you ask, what appliances vent to that chimney? Take a breath and then follow it up with, you know, water heater, boiler, furnace. And they'll, oh, uh, actually, we do have a wood stove in the basement and we have a boiler right next to it. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. You've just opened their mind. They're worried about fireplace and you just ask them what appliances vent through there is it a wood stove you got a boiler water heater furnace anything like that oh yeah we have two more in the basement well that means you have three flues in that chimney i do most likely hopefully because if you don't there's a bigger issue but so you have at least three flues so and now we already know they're calling for the fireplace or they said wood stove whatever don't focus on that until the end so when's the last time the boiler flue was inspected Oh, well, the HVAC guy does it every year. Actually, uh, ma'am, in our uh, experience, the HVAC guy very rarely checks the chimney. That's our job. They'll check the appliance, but they never check where those gases are going. They'll never check where those gases are going. Another loaded question, another statement, really. Make them connect the dots. What? They don't look, what? Oh, because it's true. When's the last time the wood stove was inspected? Well, we never use it. Okay, good to know. When's the last time the fireplace inspected? Oh, every year. Now we're getting somewhere. How can the fireplace be inspected every year because they're scared of fire, but not know that their wood stove or their furnace goes into that chimney as well? Right? See where I'm going with this? We as chimney sweeps do a terrible job at our own job. (laughs) Myself included. Don't get twisted here. I did this job for five years for somebody else. Remember my story about 19 appointments in a day, 13 of them swept. I wasn't inspecting anything. I wasn't counting flues. I wasn't educating anybody. I was making that money, right? Let's get to as many houses as we can, cram them into a day so we can make more. I guarantee, I don't remember what we charged back then, but I guarantee you that I make more. One of my technicians makes more today for doing four appointments than I did in those 19. Guarantee you. We're charging like, what, $50, $85 an inspection, $100 a sweep, something stupid like that. But I wasn't doing anything more than I was told. They'd say, hey, I need my wood stove swept. They'd show up and sweep the wood stove, ignore every other chimney, every other flue, get my money and go to the next one because we had 10 more to go to. (laughs) I remember the first time this became clear to me. I get to a house, 
and we're doing a liner in this one chimney on the left side of the house. And we go up there and we're fighting with it all day. And I was, you know, tunnel vision myself, get the liner in. We finish it up and I look over and there's another chimney on the far side of the house. I did the inspection on this house, by the way, never saw that chimney because I wasn't told to. Did the inspection, sold the liner, got it in. Yay me. As I'm packing up, I look over on the far side of the house that's a split level and I see another chimney. I'm like, that's weird. So I asked the customer, hey, what's up with that? Oh, I don't know. We never use it. I'm like, oh, well, I, I can see from the ground there's deterioration. So I'm like, it's probably letting some water and I could probably sell you a cap. She's like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And I'll go, I'll go up and take a, I won't charge you. Yay me. I'm such a hero. I won't charge. You. I'm going to go up and take a look at it. I go up and I look. There was two flues in it. One was unused, like she said. The other one was her boiler and her water heater, both venting into the same. Oversized boiler, oil water heater. So you got a seven inch and a six inch pipe venting into a six by six flue. What do you think I found when I looked down that flue? Nothing. Nothing. The entire clay flue system had deteriorated to the point that it was in a pile in the bottom of her house, in the bottom of the chimney. I ran down that ladder. I'm like, I need to get in your basement now. She's like, why? I'm like, please come with me. We went downstairs, pulled the pipe off. And as soon as I pulled the pipe out, pieces of flue tile came with it. And we look in, sure enough, it's blocked. She had an oil boiler or furnace and an oil water heater venting into a clogged flue. She had no idea. Thimble was completely rotted out. There was staining running down the side of the wall. Like anybody that looked at it, there was an HVAC guy, should have known there was an issue, but they don't. It's not their job. Fine. That's when I realized it. That scared the hell out of me that night when I went home. I'm like, I did that inspection. I went to that house. I was so focused on selling a damn liner that I didn't even look around and didn't look down that flue. How many other houses have I done this to? Scared the, still does, scares the crap out of me. So that first question, so powerful. How much to sweep a fireplace? How many chimneys you got? It's that simple. Don't get, take control of the call. Don't, oh, tier 35. Okay, thanks, bye. Conversation's over at that point. Where are you going to go from there? How many chimneys do you have? Two. All right. What appliances vent into them? Uh, I don't know. Well, do you have a water heater, wood stove, boiler, furnace, any of those? Yeah, I do. Okay. Where's this one? Where's that one? Where's this one? Okay. So it sounds to me like you've got two chimneys. One of them's got a boiler and a wood stove. The other one's got a fireplace in it. Is that right? I guess so. Yeah. When's the last time they were inspected? Uh, never the fireplace though every year okay we can come out and now you well actually you keep asking questions i'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> when's the last time it was inspected is the next question and they'll tell you this that year this never never since we moved in never since we stopped using the fireplace three years whatever it is write that down how many stories is your home that question i could kind of take it or leave it it's more for us just to know what we're getting into you know, is it going to be hard for the guys to get on the roof? Are we going to have to sweep it front? You know, there's reasons for that, but that doesn't really matter for the call itself. Sometimes it does. Do you have anything other than asphalt shingles on your roof? That's an interesting question. And we started asking it because we started showing up to repeat customers' homes. And lo and behold, they had a whole roof worth of uh, solar panels put up there. And now we can't reach the chimney anymore. <laughs> so metal roofs too. Uh, solar panels, metal roof. Uh, cedar shakes, we get a lot of rubber roofing, all kinds of stuff. So we ask them, is there anything else up there other than asphalt shingles, just so we're aware of it? Sometimes we do charge a fee, depending on how hard it is to get to it. You get a four-story, 12-pitch metal roof. I'm not getting up there for the basic sweeping costs. That's not going to happen. It's going to take a lot more material and labor and time to do that. So we ask the question. 
Are you buying or selling your home? Throw that one out there right in the middle of all these other questions. This person is called asking for a sweeping, right? That's all they know. They don't know that a level one inspection is required by the National Fire Protection Association standard 211. They don't know any of that. That's not their job. It's yours. (laughs) I need my chimney swept. Sweet. Are you buying or selling your home? Uh, it's actually, we just put it on the market last week or we're planning on putting it on the market next year, or we just bought it. They'll answer that question quickly because you've already got them in question answer mode. They're just shooting it out and they're honest with you. They don't know enough. Now, if you say, if you turn that around, so, uh, if you're buying or selling your home, we're gonna have to do a level two inspection. Uh, so are you buying or selling it? Don't do that. What's the first thing they're going to do if they're trying to be shady lie. <laughs> We've all done it. We've all showed up to a house. For a level one fireplace sweeping, there's two chimneys on the house and a for sale sign in the yard. What do you do now? If you care about your standard of care and not getting sued, you try to educate the customer on their doorstep, in which case you sound like you're uh, baiting and switching. I know I said it was 235, but you have two chimneys and I have to do a double inspection. That's what they're hearing when they hear level two. I have to do a double inspection and charge you twice as much and have to do more work. So now instead of 235, it's a thousand. And they're like, get the hell off my property. Sound like a used car salesman on their on their porch. So ask him, hey, are you buying or selling your home? Yes, I am. Fantastic. I didn't say anything right there. Don't go into, oh, we're going to need to upsell you. Don't do that. Don't. I actually, for a while, told my office, don't even mention the words level one or level two. Don't even do it. Because all you're going to do is confuse them. If they called for a sweeping, that's all they know. Now you're going to try to say, oh, well, that comes with a level one, but now I'm going to have to do a level two. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? Come run a brush, dude. Sounds like you're upselling. So I still haven't given a price at this point. How many chimneys? What appliances have you been through? When's the last time it was inspected? How many stories are on your house? Do you have anything up there other than asphalt shingles, any solar panels, metal roof? Okay. You buying or selling the home? You are. Good. What is your face mask preference? Do you care if the technicians wear a face mask in the house? I've taken it right away. Like they don't even, I'm just bouncing all over the place right now. Chimneys and houses and roofs and real, like real estate, face mask. Okay. They're just answering. Boom, boom, boom. Now you've got enough information to give them an answer. So uh, we have to come out and for our inspection, because you're selling your home, we have to inspect all the chimneys on the home, all the flues in the home. Uh, Sounds to me like you have four flues uh, and two chimneys. So our pricing for that is, and you just give them the number. It's like that. Now you might get the, the the pushback. Happens a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we have to abide by our standard and uh, we can't just come out and sweep one flu if you're selling your home. I mean, what would it look like if you sold your car and only had, you know, under the hood inspected, not the back? They're like, right. You can use whatever you want. I like analogies because it takes people out of chimney world. If you use too much chimney lingo, you're going to lose them. They're going to, you know, we're using, once again, words they've never heard of with problems they didn't see coming in places they've never seen before. So you start throwing chimney lingo at them, you're going to lose them even more. Bring it back to cars, cars and teeth. I mean, I have a whole video on Facebook where I talk about the similarities between dentists and chimney sweeps. They're actually very similar. That's why I always go that way. They know those words well. So that's a that's an extreme case, you know, the four chimneys selling the home. Let's just say you got the guy and he goes, yeah, I got uh, one chimney and it's got one flue and it's got a fireplace and it's swept. Fantastic. The office, my office, knows to explain it in such a way, and I'm going to bastardize this right now because they do a much better uh, job than me. But when you give the price, I just heard uh, one of them do it today. She said, so the price is $3.99, and that's to come out and sweep and inspect your chimney. Uh, if we don't end up needing to sweep it, we're just going to take $100 off for you, and uh, it'll just be the $2.99 or something to that effect. Up and down, roller coaster. 
You don't start with, it's a $2.99 inspection plus $100 for sweeping. Sounds like you're upselling again. So you give them worst case pricing. I always love giving worst case. That's why that, uh, the example I gave you, the last one, I go right to $1,000, you know, worst case. The worst thing for me as a technician was going out in the field and arguing with the customer over price. She said it was going to be this. No, actually, it's this. Well, I didn't want that. Well, we have to do that. And you go back and forth and back and forth. Or, you, you know, it's a level one, now you need to level two. Or it was one flu, now I got to do two flus. And you're adding money on. I hated doing it as a technician and a business owner. I had a guy working for me, uh, I think, three years ago now. And he was terrified of raising the price on the customer. And he was a lead and he was going out and he was doing work for me. We'd review his inspections end of the day and I'd look at it. He was at the house for, you know, three and a half, four hours, three flus on the inspection report, very detailed inspection of each individual flu, pictures, measurements, the whole thing. I'm like, good job. Great job. Even I get to the invoice. He charged for one flu inspection. I'm like, what are you doing, dude? You inspected three flus. He goes, yeah, they all needed it. I'm like, good. Right. I can see that from the pictures. Why didn't you charge them the three flu price? I just, I didn't want to raise the price on him. I didn't want to do that to him. I'm like, I, you were there for four hours. You worked all that. You worked half the day for $150. Well, I'm going to sell the job. I'm like, I don't care about sales. Like he didn't understand. I realized he was right. That's a terrible uh, pressure to put on your technicians to go out there with a lowballed price. All these companies, that are, they're just dicks. The guys that go out there, we're getting your house for $49.99. You give a low ball number to get in the house and then start adding on. Homeowners have seen that a, a ton of times. We've all had somebody come up and try to sell a vacuum or a subscription or up here, driveway pavers are actually kind of a racket. They'll show up with a truckload and be like, oh, we just, we have some extra. We'll do it for cheap. Like we've all had people in our homes that have nickel and dimed us or they've baited and switched us. Don't be one of them. I'll go the other way. And we explain it to them. So if what you're telling me is you have four flues and two chimneys and you're selling your home and they all need to be swept, you're looking at about $1,000 if we sweep if we sweep and inspect everything. However, it's very rare for all of those flues need to be swept. So for each flu, we don't need to sweep to take $100 off, right? Give them worst case, but let them know it can come down. 99% of the time in our company, it goes down. The technician get all excited. Oh my God, four inspections and they're like five, $600 a piece. End of the day, they come back and they're looking at $299 in all of them. That's okay. They do that. It's it's honesty. It's integrity. It's trust building. If you set an appointment for a thousand and leave at three hundred, because they're like, and you'll go read my reviews. They saved me money. We did. We could have done a lot worse if we were a shadier company and we were all about making money in sales. We could have done a whole lot worse and just gouged you because we all know every chimney out there you could bid to tear it down and rebuild it because they're all terrible. Don't don't be that guy. So we give worst case pricing. It could be this, might end up being that. Usually it ends up being lower. Sometimes we we have a guy call up and he's got a three-flu chimney. We show up in the tech show like the other two flus were fine. Took some pictures down and took some looks up. They were all right. I'm not going to charge you for those. And we end up with just a single flu sweeping at the end of the day. But you're not going to get that appointment set if the office doesn't take the time to explain what we're going to do when we're out there. So at the start of the appointment, our technicians are going to wear booties. They're going to wear a face mask because you asked them to. We're going to put tarps down all the way from your front door to your fireplace. Uh, they'll inspect your fireplace. They're going to check out your boiler in the basement. Uh, the techs will get up on the roof. They'll take some measurements and pictures up top and make sure all the brickwork is in good shape. They're going to check the crown, make sure it can keep the water out. Um, if you don't have a cap on your chimney, they'll probably measure for one, make sure we can keep that water out of your chimney. Um, 
you know, if it's a level two, the office will talk about now we're going, they're going to run a camera through the inside of your chimney. They're going to check uh, the whole chimney. I love this phrase. I don't know who made it up, but it just kind of permeated. But the office says a lot. We're going to check your entire chimney top to bottom inside now, right? Build the value in what you're doing. Don't just say, yeah, here's the price. You're going to pay it? No, buy. No, don't do that. Nobody's going to pay that much money for you to come out because the last guy did it in 15 minutes and charged half the price. Now you're talking about inspections and code and thousands of dollars. No, thanks. Bye. No one's going to do that unless they understand. That's the office's job. Help them understand, educate them. What we're really doing at the end of the day, and I've told my office this point blank, we are really nicely telling the customer the last guy didn't know what he was doing. We will never say that. Never. I'm not going to badmouth a company or talk down to them. We're like, oh yeah, that's a hack job. No, that doesn't happen to my company. However, like I said, the guy's like, the last guy came out and swept it every year for the last 10 years and I've never had my boiler inspected. I'm sorry to hear you had a bad experience. (laughs) Help them connect the dots, right? I went up to a a lady's house once and uh, we were sitting in the driveway waiting for her. It was a three o'clock appointment. We were there kind of early. So we sat and waited. She shows up around 2.50 and we get out and we're like, okay, we need to go inside. She takes a step back. She goes, you're you're not done? We're like, done? You have a fireplace? She goes, yeah. We're like, we need to get inside to sweep your fireplace. She steps back again and she's like clutching her purse. And I'm like, when's the last time your chimney was swept? She goes, every year, the last 12 years? I'm like, and he never went in your house? She's like, No. I don't understand. So she literally thinks we're trying to rob her or scam her or worse. So I'm like, whoa. So I had to calm her down on the driveway. And I'm like, let me let me explain to you how this works. Um, if you let us in, I promise I can explain and make all this. And I finally got her to let us in. This is back when we swept from the, the top. He goes up on the top to sweep. I go on the fireplace and I have the buckets and the vacuums and the lights and everything. And before he started sweeping, I yelled up to make sure that she understood. I'm like, hey, before you sweep, hang on a second. I want to do something. He's like, okay. I said, come over here. And I reached my hand up on the smoke shelf and I just started doing a little sweeping motion while making eye contact. When I say that there was creosote on that smoke shelf, that's an understatement. I could have, I I filled, I think, 10 five-gallon buckets just off that smoke shelf. She started crying right in the middle of her living room. I didn't say a word. I wasn't trying to make her cry. I was trying to make her understand. She watched me shovel 10 five-gallon buckets worth of creosote off of this fireplace smoke shelf, and she's crying because homeowners are scared of fire. So they're calling people thinking they're going to be safe from fire, and then they call idiots that come and just sweep a fireplace from the roof, take the check, and leave without ever going inside. They think that's normal. (laughs) They think that's, oh, it blows my mind. So we've got to combat that. That's your job on the phone is to build value in yourself, help the customer understand what they have, and also probably put some rumors or or issues to bed that they didn't know they were dealing with. (laughs) There's no reason that you should go out to a house that's been swept every year and pull 10 buckets of creosote off a smoke shelf or have to explain to someone that they have a boiler in their chimney when it's been swept every year. That's what I mean about chimney sweeps. We got so focused on the wrong thing. Sweeping, sweeping, chimney fire, sweeping, chimney fire, sweep. No, absolutely not. Helped them understand that. So we explained to them, here's your cost. Uh, If we sweep it, money comes off. And scheduling. Everybody's got a different way of scheduling. Ours is, we have a map. I print out a map of New Hampshire. We took a Sharpie. It's very very technical here. (laughs) Took a Sharpie and outlined our service area. And I color-coded it. And we printed it out. We copied it, put it in everybody's desk. All the office systems have it. 
and they know where we go and they can see it. Instead of pulling up Google Maps, it's just easier to look over and go, oh, you're here. We got to go there. Cool. After a while, you get to know your town. You get to know what's closer to what and what can lead to what. But be very intentional about how you schedule. The technicians get mad all the time at the office. They're like, why did you give me my last appointment 40 minutes away? That's a 40-minute drive back. They're like, sorry. Sometimes it just happens like that. But what we try to do is either start you far away, move you back in a line, or start you close, have you go out, have you come back. But try to make it flow. Nothing worse than backtracking and, and just t- wasting time driving. Try to make it flow in some way. Straight lines, clumps. You know, if you, if you got three or four calls on a day, they're all in the same town. Try to put them all in one van instead of leaving them spread out on three different vans, right? So get to know your service area. Be very intentional about where you schedule them. Terms and conditions is another one. Make sure you explain that to the, the customer in detail. And it doesn't work still. We tell every single customer payment is due at the end of the job. And then the techs will show up and do the, the job. And they'll be like, okay, I need payment. Oh, my wife took the credit card. Oh, I don't have my checkbook. Can I just mail a check in? They do it all the time. And we still say it three or four times. And then we email them our, our terms and conditions as well. But still say it every time. Tell them what to expect. Uh, if you can email it, if you have some kind of software that can send out your terms and conditions, make sure they understand things like don't use your stove 24 hours before we show up. Once again, we tell everybody, had a technician a couple days ago showed up and she was just putting the stove out when he walked in the door. All right, what can you do? But send those out, explain them to people. Uh, confirmations and reminders have to do it. I don't care if you're using... Uh, QuickBooks Online and Google Calendar or whatever you're using up to like the fancy softwares, find some way to confirm and remind your customers. Use what you have. If you have to call them manually, do it. Do it. It's worth it to call them the day before. Hey, this is Susie with ABC Sweep and just want to make sure we're good for tomorrow. You're not going to use your stove, blah, blah, blah. Just a reminder, the payment is $3.99 and the payment is due when they leave. Thank you very much. Bye. It's worth it to not have a no-show, to have a question, to have them forget, whatever email them, put all the emails into one email and send it out the night before. That's an easy way. If you have one of the fancy softwares, you can automate it. Ours does that for us. It sends out automatic uh, confirmations, automatic reminders, automatic everything. People still don't. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how fancy it is. Do it. Do it as much as you can. Call recordings is, is something that's not so easy to do without some kind of fancy software, but find a way. There's different programs out there. We had phones.com or phone.com. I forget which one it was now. And it could. I just didn't pay the extra money for it. I wish I had. Once we got call recordings, once again, the game changed. One, we could train better. Going back to the girls, when we hire office assistants, we sit them down for their first week and they listen to call recordings, good and bad. Here's how we set a bunch of appointments. Here's appointments we didn't set. Here's some problem customers. Here's some issues that we had to solve and they listen and they get a feel for what they're going to be dealing with. And then you can also verify, oh, she said it was going to be this, or he said it was going to be that, or I didn't want this. Let me pull up the call for you. I've sent call recordings to customers. You never told me that. Hang on one second. I'll put them on hold. Go and listen to the call. Send it to them. I'll get back on the call. Hey, Mr. Smith, I just sent you an email. Do me a favor and listen to that right around the two minute, 43 second mark where I explicitly told you twice. Thank you very much. I don't care. I'm not going to get railroaded by some guy that can't remember. He's trying to pull the wool over my eyes because we tell him over and over again. So call recordings will save your butt. It helps train. It helps verify. It just helps regardless. And the biggest thing, call tracking, right? 
You can do everything perfect. You can ask all the right questions. You can educate and verify and build value and all of that with your customer. They sometimes still don't book. They sometimes have issues, right? I remember when Jill was working from home, I'd come back end of the day and I could see the amount of calls that came in because we were on the same phone line. I could see we had 50 calls, right? I go on the calendar there's only two appointments set. I'm like, God, 50 calls. And she sets two. I'm like, what am I paying for? Like, what's going on right now? And I'd call her like, what happened today? She's like, oh man, it was just a rough day on the phones. And we didn't realize we weren't speaking the same language. I was equating two to 50. That's a terrible call booking rate. Now, if I go into our call booking tracking uh, in my company for today, I actually did today. And one of our office assistants took 34 calls today. Only seven of them were viable leads. And out of those seven, she booked five. If I looked at those numbers seven years ago, it would be five booked out of 34 calls. Terrible. Until I realized that she might take 34, 50 calls, but a lot of them are not leads. Things like customers calling, customers calling to pay, to check in, to remind, to reschedule, vendors calling, uh, people that we can't book appointments for. Like we can't do gas in New Hampshire. We don't have a license for it. We don't want to do pellet. So gas or pellet automatically isn't the office's fault if they don't set the appointment. So I'm not going to count that against them. We still get a good amount of calls for them, but we have to track that. How many calls did you get for gas today? How many calls did you get for pellet? How many calls did you get for out of service area? I, tr- I had the, the office do that earlier this year. I was like, "Are we is our service area really correct? So I had them go through their tracking. And I said, write down all of the towns that you get calls for that you turned away. So I can see what the the most were, which ones we turned away the most. And should we go there? And we had a meeting about it. All three gave it back and I tallied them up and I saw that the top three were over here on the East coast. And I'm like, do we really want to drive the extra like 50 minutes for 17 calls we turned away this year? And it was no. Okay, cool. Moving on. I can do that because I track. So out of service there, like the call reasons are a big one. If you can know why they didn't book or why they weren't a lead, helps you navigate your company better. Not just the service area, but when I say call reasons, the girls have to put at the end of the call, they have to put why the call wasn't booked if they didn't. And we only have a certain amount they can use. The two biggest ones are always prices too high, wanted a free estimate, something like that. Um, Then the other ones will be out of service area. They had gas or pellet. So I remember earlier this year was January. Um, I usually stock our dashboard in our our software to see how everything's working. And the week before I went to teach at Nashville, uh, we had a 91% booking rate. I think it was 21 out of 23, if I remember correctly. Life is good. The phones are ringing. They're, they're setting appointments. And I'm like, great. I go to Nashville for the week and I don't really go on and, and check the numbers as often. I get back. And I take a little mini vacation. I'm not really going to go back to work yet. So I'm kind of dragging my feet going back, you know, relaxing from the busy season being over. Two weeks goes by between that 91% call booking rate. I get back to work. I pull up the, the sheet and I look at the numbers, 54%. I'm like, what is going on? I go back to the week prior, 48%. I go back to the week before that, 42%. I'm like, what happened? So I go through and I'm looking at all the call reasons. Because sometimes it'll be like, just a bad week. One person's having a bad day or just something's going on. So I like to look at, you know, is, is one person doing better than the other? Like, where's the issue here? Resoundingly across the board, everybody was even with their numbers. It was all dismal. So I start clicking into why they weren't setting any appointments across the board. Price is too high. 
I'm like, that is really weird. The week that I left, 21 out of 22 or whatever it was, 91% booking, but that was the first week of January. The second and third weeks of January, the customers just decided overnight, we're not paying peak pricing anymore. They told me I was going to decide when we're going to stop doing peak pricing, but the customers are like, nope, it's January. You're not going to get me to pay peak pricing anymore. I'll call somebody else. And overnight that happened. I said, we got to fix this. And I fixed the pricing, called the office. Hey, we're going to go back down to this pricing. The very next week, we were back up to like 84, 89%, something like that. So tracking those kind of things, some people, it's just the way it is, or it's that time of the year. If you're tracking, like I talked about knowing your numbers, you know what numbers to track. It can tell you a story. It will help you understand your business better. And that's one of them. It's not how many appointments they're setting that matters to me. Why aren't they setting? And what are the reasons they're not setting? How can I change? How can I help? What can I adapt? That's how I build my company is by tracking those kind of numbers. Even if you don't have any kind of a fancy software, same thing. Jill used a spreadsheet, a notepad and notepaper for a long time writing stuff down. And I just check it at the end of the day. Google Drive is magic. I forgot to mention that at the beginning. But just having a spreadsheet in Google Drive that you can type in and the other person can see it, that's literally, it was like magic to me when I started my company. I'm like, wow. Now we use it every single day across the company. But back then, she could fill out an entire spreadsheet and I can go back at the end of the day and open up Google Drive and go, oh, let's look at the calls. There it is. So use what you have. These materials, these products are out there. Google Calendar, Google Drive, QuickBooks. Now there's all kinds of chimney softwares and chimney inspection and uh, invoicing, estimating softwares, use it. We're going to go over next week our inspection process. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to let you know exactly how I feel about those paper invoices and estimates and all of that. Spoiler alert, they're terrible. I don't like them. And I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't use them. But that matters. But the biggest thing is you don't need some fancy, super expensive software to do it. Use what you have. And we'll go over that next week. So, Sorry I talked to your ear off for another hour, but uh, as you can tell, the phones are, are the thing that I'm probably the most passionate about with the company. It matters. The better you train them, the better you equip them, the better they educate and equip your customers, the better company you're going to have. It's as simple as that. So join me next week when we talk about inspection process. And thank you for lending me your ears.